0: What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up podcast. Uh, yeah, it's not a great series in Baltimore. Got swept. Uh, we're going to talk about it. It's pretty much what we're doing throughout the entirety of the season. So we appreciate you guys that are tuning in, listening, watching, whatever you're doing, taking in the Mets Up podcast content. We really do appreciate you as the uh, dog days of summer are coming up here. So make sure you are following us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Mets Up. If you want the YouTube version of this, you can go check out the New York Mets YouTube channel and find that over there. And if you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, whatever it is, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download and subscribe. I have not checked, but I think we're going to take a look at the end of the episode, see if we've got any new reviews in there that we could throw some shout outs to as well. But James, still in Colorado. I mean, the Mm -hmm. art behind you is absolutely incredible. It looks like you've changed places. What's going on?
1: I have. uh, I was... I did the episode earlier in the week from just the boonies of Colorado doing some hiking in the mountains, and now I've been in Denver for the weekend, and I'm very much staying in Airbnb that is somebody's home that I think they just vacate on weekends to use mm. for Airbnb, which is a pretty good hustle. It's a good idea, and it's in a really nice neighborhood and affordable, so great place to stay, but as you guys can see watching on YouTube from this like exotic piece of artwork behind me and this very nice brick wall. There's this strange eclectic art here, a lot of it. And I brought a couple pieces that I haven't Ooh. shown Mark yet. I want to show you guys on YouTube, too. Bad podcasting for the listeners, but check it out on YouTube. This is, this is, this is one that I'm going to lead you in with. It's kind of cute. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, a woman huh. with, with crazy hair coming out of her head, some kind of succulent. This next yeah. thing I'm going to show you is probably one of the more disturbing prints I've ever seen in my life. Okay, well. <laughs> you ready for this one? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Oh, is that a back with a face? It's a back with a face. It looks like something that would be on like that weird Nick and Night show. Remember that show Ooh. when we were
0: growing up with the with the weird characters? I don't remember the what tongue. it was. The tongue. I think it's called like a crazy angry monsters or something like something that.
1: Something like that. Yeah. But I remember now this thing's looking at me. I gotta put that picture down for the episode. <laughs> but yeah, strange. in Denver, cool city though. Very cool place. Went to a a New York themed bar last night. I have took a picture for the Mets' up uh, yep. Instagram with the with the Mets flag. Really nice New York bartenders in there, very cool people. But yeah, the series with the Orioles was was something I mean we told you guys before this is basically one of the best teams in baseball right now and they definitely looked it
0: yeah no and it also helps when uh James McCann gets five RBIs in the first game I mean we just had to rip the band-aid off there and talk about that one it was quite literally the James McCann revenge game you can't make it up three for three with a walk five RBIs stolen base I mean yeah <sighs> Yeah, James McCann, huh?
1: <laughs> no, you really you really can't make it up. But going into this game on Friday night, James McCann had 10 RBIs all season, and he put up 50% of that in one game. And uh great stat here from a uh, game from Sarah Langs and Michael Meyer. The, the only two catchers to ever have this line against the Mets, three hits, a walk, five RBIs, and a stolen base, are James McCann and Travis Darno. And well... both times,
0: both times, it happened. That player's first game. Against their former team, I mean, why do you got why do you got to do that to us? We're down, are we're down, feeling bad right now. You got to rub it in with both former Met catchers. But isn't it crazy that it happened to both of them? That all, is like, kind of crazy. And this also
1: happened on the heels of an article that came out, I believe it was Saturday morning from Newsday, where James McCann just kind of kind of tried to flame the Mets, and it was that was, that was a little, a little frustrating thing too because we're coming on a week where a lot of the players left the Mets, and most players had very positive things to say about the organization, their time here, and James McCann said and we're just going to take some of these quotes here, just as exactly what they were, that he was not given a chance and he didn't get enough credit for guiding the team's pitching staff, Yeah, which I'm like, all right, I, I guess like in 180 games, for the Mets, he was at a 220, 282, 328 slash line for a 70 WRC plus. Like I, that sounds like a decent chance. He did say there was a point last year where he didn't ever start three games in a row. And I get that but it's because he was statistically one of the worst hitters in baseball. And they were trying to win yeah. some games. Like it was, he did play good defense. James McCann definitely did something to do with the pitching staff playing well, but, comments like that will always come off as whiny and it's a little frustrating on a week where like we hear like Verlander and Marcana like speak so glowingly about their time with the Mets and and just for James McCann to say come out and say this it's just it kind of feels like sour grapes
0: oh it's major sour grapes but you know what I guess he gets the last laugh here his team's going to the playoffs they look really good and he had probably the best game of his career arguably on uh, Friday night against the Mets it wasn't great it wasn't great there wasn't a whole lot of positives to talk about in this one. Not not really for the whole series either. Your boy Reed Garrett smoked. Fortunately, got smoked Crushed. against his former team. Maybe they had a little something on them yeah. that they knew. Yeah, and he was um he wound
1: up being optioned before Saturday's games, make room for Tyler McGill and the Friday's game. Like the big takeaway is that this Orioles team is so deep. Like this is the kind of lineup and like roster that I don't know what their starting pitching is going to look like in October. We saw my guy Kyle Bradish struggle a little bit with the strike zone on Sunday, and he's probably which is crazy to say probably their game one starter if things were just clarity
0: now. Oh yeah. Jack. Yeah. They,
1: they I forgot about Jack Flair. I mean, I don't know. There's a good chance that we're going to talk about him a little bit more about Sunday, but Shintaro Fujinami just gets back into the rotation. looks like an <laughs> ace, but like just to, to show like how much depth this team has, like Colin Cowser, who was, uh, like a top a top 10 pick in the MLB draft like a bona fide top 50 between top 50 and top 20 prospect across baseball he comes into the game just as a pinch runner for ryan O'Hearn. they picked up off the scrap heaps 40 percent better in league average in the sixth inning he scores a run there walks the nexus next at bat scores another run another guy jordan westberg who was also a first round pick a couple of years yep. ago he would be considered a very serious prospect for any team in the league basically good power from the right hand side decent play discipline has played all over the infield already like he just rotates in and plays like a few days a week and just mixes in. They, they these guys don't stop. They always have a good matchup. There's so many position players in this team they can throw at you. It's a really it's a really well-built roster.
0: Well, it's something that we've always talked about and like stuff that we felt confident coming into the last couple of years, you know, with the way that the roster was built was like, "Hey, there's a lot of good players on this team. You're going to have the ability to shift guys, move guys around. There's no weak spots on the roster whatever it is." And you look at all the teams that perform the best in the season, we always go back to, like, that Giants team. And even the Giants team right now is playing shockingly well, despite knowing that there's, like, no good players on that team. But, like, the fact that they're able to maximize their roster and use all 26 of those spots to be, like, productive players for their team is super, super important. It's something as, like, a, a team or a fan, whatever, you acknowledge that and you realize, like, oh, they're doing something right. They're They're really being smart about how they maximize every single player on this team.
1: Yeah, just using so many players, too, in a given game, just using every single ball to try and win. And guys like Westbrook, who play all around the infield, and Couser, who is like a really good base runner and also has great play discipline. They mix it. A guy like Ramon Urias, who plays every single position yep. in the infield for these guys. Even my favorite utility man, Adam Frazier, coming in and playing infield and <laughs> outfield. Just every single guy in this roster spot has so many, so many little different things they can do to help the team win. It's cool. And also, funny thing, I feel like this happens once every baseball season. There's always one guy who does this. And the guy this year is Michael Bauman as a reliever oh, yeah. who's not even having that good of a year in the Orioles no. with a 9-0 record.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I saw that the other night. I was like, you know, just checking the box score again. I'm like, he's got nine wins. He's 9-0. I'm like, well, I mean, how how does that even happen? But you're right. That does happen like once a year. There is a guy who all of a sudden you look at like, got like 11, 12 wins and you're a reliever? Like, how did this even work? But yeah, the Orioles have been keeping games close. That offense fights back late. Like, that's what happens. That's how you get a reliever that's 9-0. And you,
1: you, there's, there's really a point to be made that he's probably not even one of the five best relievers in that bullpen. Nope. Like Mets fans, we saw Shintaro Fujinami earlier this year when he was a member of the Oakland Athletics, who probably, couldn't, there probably couldn't be a more different organization than, uh, than the Oakland Athletics, the Baltimore Orioles right now. And Fujinami couldn't find the strike zone. His splitter had no feel for it. His fastball was like, very good, but it was completely erratic. He came in Friday night, and he was just throwing BBs. And you're like, whoa. Yep. And then he came in Sunday. We we'll just talk about it now. He almost threw an immaculate inning. He threw 103 miles an hour. <laughs> like yeah, he like it was. He he had Mets whiffed four times. He only sw- and he only threw nine total pitches. Like he looks like one of the absolute surefire
0: best relievers in baseball. And he's been on this team for less than a month. Yeah, no, it's impressive what they've been able to do with him and other guys on this team. Felix Bautista, as we know, later in this series too, we got to see him a little bit. He's cash money. Very very good baseball team. Kind of set the tone for the entire series here with that game 10-3, I believe they lost game one. Just uh, very much was like, hey, right now we're the better team than you, and we are giving it to you. And that's just kind of how it was for uh, game one.
1: Definitely. And there was a bit of a mood coming out of that game, like feeling it going into this weekend, especially after the week. The Mets still have not won a game since the trade deadline, and they've been outscored. I have a tweet from Will Salmon right here about what it is. And again, this is after the whole series, like taking it all together. But where is this? Where is this? They've been outscored thirty nine of fourteen in six games. It's bad. Now we're the season worst eleven games below five hundred. But before Saturday's game, Steve Cohen sent a letter to all the season ticket holders. And I think there were a lot of good soundbites from this. I think it was yes. very, I think it was very important that Steve did that because we know how disappointed he's been. He's been like absolutely the same tone through and through. And he said, "You are rightfully disappointed. So are we. Like believe that we do not take your support or loyalty for granted. It is your passion that makes City feel such a special place? Hundred percent true. When We purchased the team in two thousand twenty. The letter was penned from him and him and Alex." We said that we were doing it for the fans. The community It's true. Then still true today. And I still do believe him saying that. And that that is not 100%. where we want to be in 2023. He said that multiple times this week, many times. I mean, he's going to say it many more times the rest of the season. Our goal is to be a consistent contender. The only way to do that in a sustainable way, build the pipeline of high caliber talent, in our farm system, and that will fuel a major league team for years to come. And he did say that we will be competing in 2024. It's not going to be like, we're going to like this offseason, buy as many players as humanly possible. It doesn't seem like that. That's still not totally impossible though. I mean, we, they Just people change, decisions change. Decisions in the offseason are not made in August, but he's nice to see him kind of reaffirm the fans. Say we are going to compete in twenty twenty four. We're going to still try to do everything we can and just be like, be very personable with the Mets contingency because
0: it it's been it's been a rough week for us, and it's super easy for them to just not say anything. That's like the really really easy route of like, hey, you saw us trade all these guys. That's it. Like we'll we'll see you. We'll see you around. But like for them to come out and say that I'm sure I'm inter- It feels good for us as Mets fans. I'm interested to see what you guys think at home that are listening. Like, how do you feel about this letter that you get it? Like, does it does it make you feel a little bit more calm or a little bit more at ease? Because we have seen Mets Twitter has been a blaze, ablaze since the trade deadline. It has been just hot take left and right about this or that. It's been nuts. It's not been a I like Mets Twitter, but it's not been a great place to be hanging out recently, uh, over the last week or so. And understandably so again. I haven't won a game since the trade deadline. So I can see why people are getting frustrated and upset. I think there's no doubt about it, but at the end of the day, just got to take a deep breath, relax. Like just because this season may not be going as planned, has no indication of how next season is going to be. And we know that there's for sure, like very easy ways to improve this roster without a doubt. And
1: this was Gary Cohen was back on the call for the series. And we heard him a lot of comments, specifically Sunday talking about just the way it looked like body language. He used the term malaise a few times and, That's, I mean, baseball, like baseball what 60% mental, 70% mental of a game. Like there's so much that is going on inside these guys head, like with like how hard you're competing. And you see a game like on Saturday where the top four hitters in the Mets order had seven hits and hitters five through nine had zero. And you can like, it's like, how, how, how to sustain that? Like how to sustain that, like, it's very difficult. And I think especially though, that, that top four in the order, Francisco Lindor, Nimmo, McNeil and Pete, I think they all are doing a very good job right now of like holding their heads up high yep you know speaking saying all the right things to the media, still performing well on the field still hitting as much as they possibly can but just you could you can kind of just feel this like again like I think Gary's word is good like this malaise that's like kind of falling down and you said it in the intro like dog did this summer right here but even with that, shout out the Mets contingent getting down Baltimore yes. this weekend led by the seven, seven line yeah shout out our Arnciini Ar- Ar- table friends they were down there as well they the pictures from pickles look great Mets fans were everywhere a lot of people were out there having a good time it was a full sellout down there in camden i'm sure the mets fans had a ton to do with that and awesome ballpark great place to watch a game
0: yeah we went last year for the three games in 24 hours it was the final spot for my youtube video and camden yards i mean easy to get to from new york you hop on the amtrak it drops you off and it's five minute uber ride from there to the stadium it was awesome friendly people incredible food at the stadium again can't recommend boogs barbecue enough it was so so good and for you Gluten free as well because what his daughter was gluten free. What was the whole story? Something Do you like that, that, yeah. It's Boog Boo Powell, famous uh, power hitter for the great Orioles
1: teams in the late sixties, early seventies. Either him or his daughter, son, someone in the family is gluten free, and they have an entire dedicated gluten free barbecue station with great gluten free bread and a whole different like staging section, so nothing ever gets cross contaminated. Really great. And also, I remember your um your videographer that day got the the crab mac and cheese. Yes, and he, the crab he used mac it and such a hilarious word because he didn't really he, he just.
0: On a hot the dog, word, by the way, this was yeah, on, a hot, on a
1: hot dog. On a hot dog, on a hot dog. I think he said it was decadent. Yes, he did. And I was like, <laughs> it was just it's funny, funny, funny to use, use that word to describe something on a hot dog. But it did look decadent, and it's a great, it's a great place to watch a game down there by the harbor. Pickles is awesome before and after. Amazing yep. scene. Happy, happy for the people of Baltimore. That they're
0: getting this success right now, which is like who? When we went to Pickles last year after the game, remember we were talking to like one of the fans. Who did he say that he knew or he was cousins with? He was cousins. Was it Framber? Someone in the Astros. Someone, yeah. But a good good group of guys hanging out there. Cheap prices. Good drinks. I mean, a lot of fun in Baltimore. Wish we could have made it out there, but obviously James in Colorado. Busy this weekend as well. A lot going on. But maybe next year, if they're back in Baltimore, we'll be there.
1: Yeah. It'd be nice to go down. You be nice to go down there for the wild card round maybe depending on how yeah. that division shakes out maybe the, and uh the ALDS but again really cool to see like how bought in this entire Orioles team is Gunnar Henderson hit the home run off of Tyler McGill in the first inning and he went ballistic at home plate yep. like screaming the whole team was on the top deck high-fiving like you're like wow like these guys are really 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 rocking right now this could be a situation where like the young team might be peaking a little bit early especially the team doesn't really have the starting pitcher and the horses to probably get through October so I hope this Orioles run keeps going but it's just it they're I try to watch them a lot i said that last episode just because they are a really fun team really fun lineup but a lot of amazing bullpen options you guys know how much i love a good a good r- rotation of bullpen arms but it's fun and then get back to the mets here tyler mcgill did make his return to the major leagues yep. came up right before the game some good and bad He hit 99 miles an hour for the first time in a while so really close cool. cool to see him reaching back sustaining velocity because how important that fastball is to his success but he did throw a lot of fastballs about 66 5 of them and the orioles were on them a lot of hard hit yeah. balls in the few innings he pitched the limited damage though as much as he could. Like wasn't I wouldn't say this was an incredibly negative star for Tyler McGill. The velocity I think was a very big deal though. And we'll gotten some nice runway here to see what he can do the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, and like relatively speaking, I mean, he did miss a lot of time last year too with an injury. So it's like there's still like that learning curve of just like getting back, getting comfortable. He's been up and down a couple different times this year. So getting back into a rhythm, I think, is one thing that will also benefit him as well, which surely he's going to be pitching a lot more this year in that rotation. But you said like the big story was that the top four guys had the seven hits and then five through nine just couldn't get anything done. Jeff, you mentioned swinging the bat well. He also spoke after the game. He had a home run, three RBIs. He's looked a lot better over the last, like, since the trade deadline, honestly. I feel like he's been scattering in hits more often, looking a little more comfortable. He's like, yeah, I'm just, you know, trying to get back to where we were last year. I know this season hasn't been great. We're not happy with it. It's so, like, but I'm going to just try to do everything that I can to keep playing well and, you know, helping this team win. And those are the kind of comments that I think, again, as fans, like, you appreciate, like, they acknowledge it's not going well. It's not right. But, like, still trying every single day, still trying to win games and not tanking, throwing in the towel or any of that nonsense.
1: No, definitely. You could just feel that Jeff wants to at least finish strong for just his own mental state. Like, just he got the contract. I'm sure he felt some pressure, and he's had a couple. Like, of the last couple of years, like it's kind of an alternating good and bad. Like a, a strong, a strong finish to his season would really probably go a long way because we know he's not this bad of a player. And when he's at his best, like he is, like oh. a, he's basically the glue guy for this roster because he keeps the lineup moving. He plays second base and corner outfield. Like it's a lot, it's a lot that he can do, and we've seen him do it. So just want to see him get like very much like come. Come back, come back to fold here. Come back to fold.
0: Yeah. Since July 21st, he's hitting three hundred with like a 350 on base. So like the bats, the hits, they're starting to come a little bit more consistently for Jeff. Jeff's swing the bat better. And he talked about he's like, I just need to get back to hitting singles, which is funny because on that day he hit the home run. But he's like very much like, Yeah, I know what kind of player I am. I just gotta, you know, make sure I figure it out. But Really not too much else. Lindor, Nimo, uh, Nimmo in the lineup again, playing well, got a double. Lindor has been raising that batting average. Sneaky again. I think he was up to like 240 at one point in game three, which I know to most people who are of the older generation of baseball fans are like, 240? What do you mean he's getting it up? But like, that's that's like a very like league average batting average. And of course, we're not a batting average podcast, but it raises everything And the OPS is hovering right around 800, which would be among the best for shortstops in Major League Baseball this year.
1: Yep, and as of the end of the game Sunday, in terms of all qualified shortstops in National League, Francisco Lindor is the highest WRC+, the highest slugging percentage, the most home runs, the most RBIs, the most runs scored, and the most doubles. And even in all of baseball, he has the fifth most stolen bases of any player that's been caught stealing two or fewer times. So if the season ended today, it seems like Francisco Lindor would win another Silver Slugger award. He's on pace for another five-win season, a really hot stretch, we put him back to six wins. It's been another great year. It's a shame that he had a slow start, and that put a lot of people off him for some reason this year. But if you look at the stats, if you look at his con contribution to the team and you look at the way he's holding himself and as a leader of this team to the media every single day answering the questions smile on his face like same being positive questions same every questions day. every single day he's never he's just doing every single thing he can to be the like the face and the image of this team He's probably yeah, again he's probably gonna win the silver slugger as well like he's it's a costume professional I'm very happy we have him on our side
0: no 100 that led us into game three with jose quintana on the bump and quintana looked good again i mean Glad that he's he's feeling great, but boy, would we have loved to have had him at the start of the year too, especially with the way that he's pitched in like the first few starts as a med He's been awesome.
1: I know it has been awesome. It's just he's such a steadying force. That sinker and curveball were great playing off each other. Orioles squeak one across on and out. I think it was Natalie Rushman, RBI ground ball, and that was basically it. Mets had trouble getting to kyle brash who also had trouble finding the strike zone which i talked about brash a little bit in the last episode he really 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 leads the way with non fastballs and his slider was throwing it a lot is his primary pitch but wasn't really finding the zone as much with it and wasn't really mixing his curveball which is interesting because it has been on very very good for him recently but Cantano's was great and like again he, if he if he was if he was around in may and june like you really feel like this team probably could have won a few more of those games and maybe this whole thing would be different but i don't know we can't we can't dwell on the past anymore we got to do that and um Again, yeah, said it before, I think Shintaro Fujinami threw one of the best innings I've ever seen. He was really, <laughs> really, really close to throwing an immaculate inning, which is really funny. He only threw nine pitches, and he had two strikeouts. And the guy looks ridiculous. You guys should check out the clip on uh, Pitching Ninjas against DJ Stewart. He threw 103 miles an hour. 103 miles an hour. His, he threw six fastballs this inning. The average pitch velocity was 101.5 miles an hour. The average one hundred one 101.5. He didn't throw one pitch below 100. 100 pure. We're not rounding up our 99.5s to 100 here. He didn't throw any pitch below 100 miles an hour. And one ball got put in play, and it was a little dinker for 50, uh, 55 miles an hour exit velocity. It's it's crazy how quickly they've they've made that guy so good.
0: Talk about the velo, too. Uh, happy to see Mark Vientos Crush a baseball or hit a baseball hard off of uh, Felix Bautista in the ninth inning as well, off a 103 mile an hour or 101.3 mile an hour pitch, which got him a double, which was good to see. Vientos getting some playing time at third base, you know, working his on working on his game. Just keep this guy playing more, and he'll continue to improve. We know he's got big power potential. Love seeing him in the lineup.
1: I think Also, Brett Bailey, I feel like, has been expanding strike zone a little bit more. Seems like he might be pressing a little bit. It's been a tough tough couple months for uh, our wonderful rookie third baseman. Two, drew two, two nice walks in this game, though. Two nice yes. walks. He's spitting a couple of easy, uh, tough, uh, tough looking breaking balls. Good to see that. And Vientos is important because we have talked to you guys about where, like, his main hole that was like, kind of keeping him from being, like, kind of taking the next step has been against Velocity. So it was really good to see him turn around and Felix Bautista fastball because the best fastball in the league. It really is. One of the best fastballs I've, I've ever seen in my life. So, really nice to see that.
0: Yeah, he also probably has the second best interest in baseball outside of Edwin Diaz. When we were at the game, he came into the uh, the wire. Was it the wire music?
1: Oh, Omar's whistle, and they do. uh, And when during the night games, they basically do strobe lights and the whole thing. So if anyone hasn't watched the wire, Omar Omar Little is like he's like the bad boy in the show. He's like he's the guy who the gangsters are scared of because he will rob (laughs) them. Like he he robs the stash house. Like he's that much. He's he was a dog. He's the best character in the show probably. And he Felix Batista walks into his entry music. He would always like whistle when he was like coming up on people. So cool that Baltimore is like using Baltimore and they're like, kind of like bringing the whole community. Cause the wire is like such a Baltimore show and that everyone who's from Baltimore, like, I think that's like, they hold that show in incredibly high regard because of how accurate yes. of the
0: portrayal it is. And he's, that guy's, that guy's so frightening. He's so freaking good. Felix Batista. What'd you think of their city connect jerseys seeing them in, in game? What do you think of them? I like them.
1: A lot of people do not like them. Hmm. I think, I think that sometimes the city connect jerseys that simplicity wins, a lot of people mm-hmm. will do a little bit too much in those city connect jerseys and it becomes a little ridiculous. My one problem though with most of the City Connect jerseys, this is true. I'm in Colorado with the Rockies. Also true of this or The team. Rockies one. The Rocky jersey is great, but the green pants are ridiculous. And when the yeah. when Baltimore goes black on black, I think that looks a little bit weird. Like I also I don't know, because if they would try to match like the fringe and do like a purple, a purple print pant, that would be significantly worse. But I think there's a better way to do pants than City Connect jerseys. I do think that like it's simple. The black jersey is cool. We, we love black jerseys as Mets fans, of course. And the little fringe, getting that little like that little Baltimore action, is I think that's no, it's good enough. It's fine.
0: Yeah, I I like the hat. I like the B. It's a little bit different. I think that's like the the Baltimore B or whatever that they throw around. But the jersey to me is too boring. Just like the black and white with a little bit of splash, like on the on the sleeve that you can roll up. I think that's their whole thing. Or if you pop the collar a little bit, you can see like the uh, the flag or whatever it is that they they put inside of there. But overall, yeah, I don't know. To me, they're they're like mid. I definitely am not a huge fan of like black on black with basketball or uh, baseball jerseys. Although the Cincinnati Reds City Connect ones are sick, but they've got like the the like black with red Darth Vader like Darth Maul Star Wars kind of look that I really like. Where the Orioles are just pretty much black and white with a little bit of the the flag stuff going on there. So I just wanted to see what you thought because I know we have very different opinions on on jerseys, and I see we're very much still in differing opinions here. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and you're and you're, the, you're the foremost jersey expert of YouTube, so you got you to gotta get the of takes off. And then that was the series. We got swept. Six trade losses since the trade deadline. Told you guys to run differential before. It's really not good. It's really – it's not good. It's not good. It's hard to describe. The Orioles are one of the better teams in the league. I think it will be interesting for them to come home now. Game tomorrow night against the Cubs. We're going to break into that in a second. But it's just yep. – it's a weird feeling right now in Mets world. This really feels kind of similar to um for the OG mess-up listeners, 2021, where it's just like – it, like they, it was like they were grinding so hard, and eventually, like it's a bend, don't break. And it kind of just feels like, like, oh man, like we it's really hard to just stay ahead right now.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, it's not been great. I mean, Binghamton did some good stuff too. Shout out uh, Future Flushing Podcast. You guys know Vito and John do that over there, they'll definitely break it down a little bit more. But a bunch of the new guys and some of the old guys have been playing well, so. Keep an eye out for that. Drew Gilbert, Christian Scott updates. I think Ryan Clifford, too, they'll be talking about. So make sure you guys go give them a listen over at Future of Flushing if you want to hear about some of the guys that could be on their way up soon with the New York Mets. And then you want to just talk about the Cubs series? Is it time to do some estimates type thing?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty much there. Also, just the and Rumble Ponies have become much worse baseball. You guys definitely got to keep track of future flushing because that rotation, basically, every single guy in there is, is is looking like they could be a real prospect. And the lineup with Drew Gilbert, Luis Angel is like, that's a, that's a formidable middle
0: of the order right now. In terms of the estimate, James, you got one back, cutting it back to two. There was not a lot of home runs in this series. And kind of that's, it's a little bit of the thing with Baltimore, as we mentioned, with that left field being so crazy. Also, Gary dropped a stat that Pete is one of only seven players to hit a home run in Baltimore into the second deck in left field, which, if you realize it, it's even with that back of that wall. So to go high and that far, that's a pretty impressive shot. Didn't happen this week. Oh, I got a hiccup mid talking. Oh, that hurt <laughs> yeah. so bad. That hurt leave my that chest. Yeah, leave that one in. That one, that one hurt. But yeah, so estimate. We got sent in from John. John was not available today to join the boys. And the what's estimate the, uh, that we will...
1: What's going to be the word of the episode for John? Because he's 0-4. Uh, yeah, the I don't
0: know. Something Baltimore-related. Want to go like uh, crustacean for crabs?
1: Yeah, open up now for crustacean. Crustacean's is the crustacean. word for John. And there's 0% chance he's going to listen back to this.
0: Oh, absolutely not. So he said the estimate for this series against the Cubs is going to be left-on-left left hits because the Mets have a lot of good lefty batters and there's going to be a lot of lefty pitchers in this one. So lefty-lefty. Dry, give the listeners at home uh, the pitching matchups so that they know, and then I'll I'll tell you some of the hitters that are lefty in this team's
1: pitching matchups. This series Monday seven ten all seven ten games this series. gonna be late night for the boys recording on uh, Wednesday. But Kodai Senga versus Drew Smiley, that's a lefty right there. Tuesday, a couple of righties: Carlos Carrasco versus Jameson Tyone. and then Wednesday, David Peterson, second lefty this series versus Kyle Hendricks. So maybe okay. John was reaching a little. But only two lefty starting <laughs> pitchers, but a few lefty relievers gonna mix in. So there we go.
0: I'm not gonna lie. They have one lefty hitter. I think that plays every single day. It's Cody Bellinger. <laughs> All right. So Who we're else? doing Cody Bellinger, Daniel Vogelback, and Brandon Nimmo hits. And I guess if Tucker Barnhart decides to play, I guess he'll he'll hit lefty since he doesn't switch hit anymore. Oh, and man. Jamer's a switch hitter. John, John, John really mailed it. John really mailed in this one. John, John tried to sell it. Obviously, on the Mets side, you mentioned that. Uh, so we have like th- one guy on the Cubs, and then Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil. Brett Beatty, yeah, yeah. Vogelback, DJ Stewart. I guess the Mets do have a, a good chunk of lefties. Omar Nervais will probably get a game in there as well. We do,
1: but Drew Smiley is like, I don't even know. He's like Sandy Koufax against the Mets. We can never have this guy. Been, he has been pretty filthy.
0: Uh, okay, total hits. I, I got a number. All right, I got, I got one too. All right, ready? Not down, yeah. Three, two, one, eight, five. Ooh, okay, eight and five, eight okay. and five. I figure that Nimo's going to sprinkle in a few. Jeff's going to sprinkle in a few because he's been swinging the bat well. And Cody Bellinger, sorry Mets fans, he's playing really good baseball. Probably going to get a couple hits. He's been fantastic this year.
1: Cody Bellinger looks awesome. I had a great discussion, like one of my fantasy baseball group chats the other day, just about like Cody Bellinger and where, like, how you can have as many bad seasons as Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger basically was one of statistically the worst players in baseball for 240 games. Hitting, really, wise, really. hitting wise. Hitting wise, hitting wise. Yeah. He's always playing good defense through and through in that. Cause like after that 2020 season, it really started to kind of fall apart. Even 2020, he had a bad year, but he was still fine. But this is a guy who was over 30% worse in league average from 2021 to 2022, non-tendered by a Dodgers team. We mentioned this a couple episodes ago, that wound oh, that up happened. signing Jason Hayward and David Peralta to fill in the outfield for him. So they found that what they thought that these lefties, Jason Hayward and David Peralta, were better than Cody Bellinger, someone who won MVP for them just two years, three years prior. Big part of their
0: uh, fake World Series in 2020 as well. He's a huge part of
1: 25, 27 percent of the World Series that they won. But Cody Bellinger is having as good of a resurgence as you could possibly have right now. Since July 1st, he has he has a 408, 444, 683 slash line with 200 WRC plus, and that's in that's over 133 plate appearances right there since July 1st. A 400 batting average, 400, (laughs) not not just 400, 408. That's like, and over that time. He is only striking out eight percent with a seven percent walk rate.
0: Yeah, he is quite literally, I mean, carrying the Cubs. Like they have they they are better than we expected for sure. And there are some ball players on this team like Cody Bellinger, like Christopher Morel, like James Swanson over at shortstop. But like this team is nowhere without the offensive production that they've gotten from Cody Bellinger, especially over this last month when the Cubs have been hot and playing their best baseball. And I think I think they took two of three from the Braves. I think they went up at one point. It's bottom of the eighth right now while we're recording this. Again, bad podcasting, but that's fine. 6-4, bottom of the eighth. Three more outs. They win a series against the Atlanta Braves. Watch out for those Cubs. You just jinxed the end of that series so badly, it's kind of ridiculous. But, we'll find out. We will find out on the morning when you guys are listening to this. Yeah, this Cubs team
1: is pesky. Uh, Nick, Nico Horner's having a very good season. He's a good ball player. Ian Happ is kind of exactly what he is. but He's at least a steadying force that has some power, gets on base. Dansby's had a very good year, too. That signing looks like it was done at an affordable rate for a guy who's still playing great defense. He had a real power barrage over the last week and a half as well. He's think he's up to like 16, 17 home runs on the season. 17. And yeah, he's good ball player. Some good ball players in this team. They're definitely a strange roster because they still don't have one starting pitcher who throws more than like 94 miles an hour. Nope. And that's even being generous to Drew Smiley. And James and Tyon's had a rough season in the first year of his free agent deal. But and they're also, their bullpen's also bizarre. I think a lot of the Cubs fans probably have like some bittersweet feelings coming out of the trade deadline because they didn't really seem like they were in the mix they definitely were about to sell and probably could have gotten a haul for Cody Bellinger on a one-year playing on a one-year deal out there and then they went what seven game win streak just before the deadline decided to buy just only Jamer uh, Candelario didn't really get any pitching because we know we saw Good pronunciation how crazy
0: we- by the way yeah
1: right I guy, it, it's my boy we saw how crazy the price was for pitching in the trade deadline thinking about uh, Drew Gilbert Ryan Clifford and Luis Helicuña. so they could probably price the team like the cubs out don't exactly have the best uh, minor league depth as 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 currently stated and yeah definitely don't the, have anybody the, yeah marcus stroman old friend uh use that term loosely just went on the il as well after a very 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 poor month after a really hot start to the season weird team put a lot of balls in play and don't throw hard they kind of went foil against like the rest of major league baseball and the way they've built and developed this like new roster it's like not, not a lot of power tons of contact even saying that those lines from bellinger basically basically no walks and strikeouts, just a lot of balls in play and not even to hit that hard, or that many barrels Just really just putting it in play,
0: finding his spots. Well, something team. that me and you spoke about like off the podcast was I was like, cause you're like Bellinger's back. I'm like, yeah, but he's still not hitting the ball hard at all. You're like, he's just completely given up on like being a hard hit guy. And just like, I'm going to put the ball in play, not strike out as much and just like hope that it works. And it is for sure working. Cause He's 10th percentile in hard hit rate. So that's even if he was hitting it hard on the ground. He's not, he's hitting the ball very, very soft, but it's working. It's getting cool. the job done.
1: Yeah, something he's done, which is something he did really well when he first came up, was just having a really good understanding of the strike zone and yeah. like trying and not really chasing very much. I mean, he was at his worst the last few years. Those chase rates were quite bad and the whiff rate was always something that was not good for Bellinger because he'd always take these massive hacks while still really aligning with the strike zone. But now he's not whiffing at all. He's really shortened up, he's tightened up everything, which is really ironic considering the player that he was. And that probably means that what this what's going on with Bellinger right now isn't exactly the most sustainable thing, but it is something where he's just probably in the way getting back to his own basics. He's still 28 years old. Like he still we saw the top end of what he can do. He's reworked his swing like what four or five times since that famous yeah. shoulder injury in the 2020 playoffs like a lot of this game, like we talked about before, is mental. And like those last couple of years, the Dodgers, it looked like the mentals for Bellinger were not that great. I remember there was a clip on Sunday Night Baseball where um, they were interviewing Mookie Betts. It was pregame. I think it was about two years ago. Yeah, it could have been last year. It could have been two years ago. I don't remember exactly when. But they the were like, stare. "What?" Yeah, no, they were like, "What player on the Dodgers do you think could use like a fashion makeover, some new style?" And I don't think Mookie knew that Cody Bellinger was walking right behind him, and he was like, "Definitely Cody." And Bellinger looked at him like. He was just sad. Like, he was sad that, like, (laughs) it's one of his teammates that kind of said he has bad style. So, like, it just kind of seems like it was something where, and it's so ironic with the Dodgers as well, because we see, like, year over year how much more they get out of hitters. Their hitting coach turned Jared Kellenic into actually an above average hitter for about two full months, which is really good for him. And, um, just the fact that like sometimes coaching just gets stale. We saw this kind of similarly with Matt Chapman coming off a major hip injury. And I'm not going to give the A's coaches any credit at all, but <laughs> going go, going to Toronto, like they really fixed a massive hole in his swing where he couldn't hit pitches top of the zone. Bellinger had a similar hole in the swing of pitches at the top of the zone. Really struggled with velocity for a while there. And maybe shortening up and putting the ball in play is going to get him to a place now where he's like getting better. And then once he's fully back, maybe the power does come back. But just everything you're seeing from Cody Bellinger right now it makes it look like he is quite a
0: good ball player again. He is the absolute linchpin to this Cubs roster. Yeah, change of scenery can be huge for guys. And definitely, like, Bellinger just got to play some ball to start the year. Now he's feeling good. He's playing confident. Looks good. Is there any weird reliever in this pen that you like? I feel like we, we played the Cubs a them while before. ago.
1: Yeah, that was, that was uh, what, like, late May when things started to feel kind of weird for us? Julian Merriweather has insane stuff. You guys might remember yes. from a few years ago. He had, like, this ridiculous outing for the Blue Jays against opening the Yankees day. In opening day. And it was like, whoa, this guy's throwing 100 miles an hour. It looks amazing. But then he got hurt. And there's always been injuries to Merriweather. But right now, he is healthy and pitching well in that bullpen. I shout out Mark Leiter the last time he played these guys. Great changeup. Really, yeah. really, really effective against hitters from both sides of the plate. He's he's got very interesting stuff. One of the most unique pitches in baseball up there with Kodai Sango's Ghost Fork. We're gonna see old friend Michael Fulmer. He's back there in this bullpen. Um Hayden Wisniewski is a pit Wisniewski, Yeah, he's a he's a pitcher that came over in the trade that they made with the Yankees last year for Scott Efrost. Who's pitched like wow, seven innings for the Yankees since he yeah. got hurt. Like right away, Wisniewski has some very interesting stuff. A really good slider, weird fastball shape though. He's back with this major league team now. I think they're kind of see trying to see if they can rely on him as a starter for next year's team, while also giving him some run in the bullpen, seeing what the stuff is. But that's basically it for this Cubs team. They just they just they're pesky. They put the ball in play and they just play some good ball.
0: Fun fact: Tucker Barnhart has thrown three innings for the Cubs this year. Oh, hasn't given up a run. Not bad. T- fun fact.
1: That's a fun fact.
0: But guys, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, oh, wait, I wanted to check to see if there are any reviews while we uh, we wrap up the episode here. Make sure you guys are following us on all our social media, at MetsUp on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, wherever you can find some content. We will be there. Subscribe to the New York Mets YouTube channel if you want to see that. Uh, If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, drop us a rating, drop us a review. Nobody gave us a new review, so you're not getting any shout-outs today. But if you want one, give us a review. Five stars, you know what to do. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching. Follow James on Twitter at?
1: James underscore Shiano.
0: And me, Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. We'll catch you guys after the Cubs series. Hopefully we'll see you at City Field. Peace out.
1: Peace out. See you guys next time.